We are in 2 Kings chapter 4 this morning as we look one more time at the life of Elisha and how God used him to bring blessing to a family. Before we do that, I want to pray and ask God's blessing upon the time in his word, but also to dedicate the toys that you have so generously given for Bland County. As you know, these toys are for children and for children at Christmas, but more than bringing joy to them and giving them a gift they may not otherwise have had, we always pray that these gifts would be opportunities for those who minister in Bland County to reach a family with the gospel, to reach a family with the good news of Jesus' love. And so thank you for your generosity in giving. And as I pray, we'll pray for God to multiply these gifts to help all those that receive them. Father, we are thankful that you have given us the gift of your son at Christmas. And Lord, we know because of your gift, we give gifts to each other. Lord, at this time of the year especially, we like to give gifts to children for the joy that brings them, uh, for the understanding that uh, your gift was a child. And so we want to bless children as well. Father, I thank you for those who have brought toys. I thank you for their generosity. Lord, I know also as they have given those gifts, they have imagined which child will open that gift and receive it. Lord, we imagine there would be joy and there will be excitement. And Lord, we pray that more than the joy and the excitement that may only last for a short time, I pray these gifts would open a door and be an opportunity for our brothers and sisters in Bland County to share your love, Father, with them and to share the good news of your gospel, Jesus. So I pray that these toys would be dedicated, Lord, to you and that as they bring joy, may they also bring salvation to those who receive them. I also pray, Lord, that as we see how you bless us, that we would be thankful people this morning for all of your blessings. Teach us now as we come to your word, and Lord, may we hear it and obey it. And I pray, Jesus, in your name. Amen. We have learned from Elisha that God is at work even in the worst times. Remember, in Elisha's day, the people were idolaters. They were far from God. Yet we learned that God cared about the little things in their life, about the big things, and even the chaotic things. God was in control of them. Uh, this time of year, we are talking about a miracle child, about how there was a virgin who gave birth to a son. And we tell this story, and we sing about this story, and we love the fact that Jesus, the Son of God, was born in Bethlehem. And of course, as we talk about Jesus' birth, we also share the story of his death and his resurrection. The whole story for the birth of a baby is great news, but the salvation of our souls is even better news. And so we talk about how Jesus died on the cross for our sin and he rose again to life. The story of the gospel. A miracle birth. A resurrection. Did you know in the book of 2 Kings, chapter 4, there's also a miracle birth and there is a resurrection. 
But it's not Jesus that we're talking about. It is a boy. A boy born to a woman of Shunem. That's the town she lived in. And we learn about her story today as we learn this lesson that God always blesses those who honor him. I want you to hear it again. God always blesses those who honor him. Sometimes we get tripped up because we misunderstand what blessings are. Sometimes we think, and I hear preachers preach, that if we obey and honor God, he is going to bless us with money. And if we obey and honor God, he's going to bless us with perfect health. And if we think that's as far as God blesses money and good health, we misunderstand the scripture and we miss out on many other blessings that God gives us. So I want us to hear the good news today that God blesses those who honor him. But I also want us to remember this before we look at the woman whom God blessed. God's blessings come in different forms. I think of the Apostle Paul. He was beaten. He was shipwrecked. Uh, more than once, those who hated him threw stones at him to kill him. He was left for dead. He had very little. He died as a martyr. If the world was evaluating his life after he came to Christ, they would say all it was was suffering. But that's not true. He was blessed immensely. He wrote 13 out of the 27 books of the New Testament. He planted churches. He did have people, although many abandoned him, he had friends who were close to him that were a blessing to him. He got to see things that no other human has seen. He got to actually see heaven. But he couldn't write about it. Because he, how can you write about it? But he got to see it. He was blessed in many ways. Yet he lived a life of hardship. See, blessings don't simply come in the form of an easy life, money, and perfect health. And even Job, who did have perfect health and who did have a lot of money, had a season of suffering, of great suffering. But then afterwards, God blessed him twice as much as he blessed him before. So even though God's people have a life of blessing, there may be seasons where there is suffering. That doesn't take away from the fact that God has blessed and will bless in the future. And not all of our blessings and rewards come in this life. We are told by Jesus to store up our treasure in heaven. Some of our blessing we don't receive now. We receive it in heaven. And in some ways that's even better. Because there it's eternal. And there it will be with us forever. So remember that. That blessings come in different forms. Even those who are richly blessed have seasons of suffering and not all blessings come in this life. Remember that as we cling to this truth that God always blesses those who honor him. So let's look at a woman in Elisha's day whom God blessed. She is called the Shunammite woman because we don't know her name and because she was from the town of Shuman. I don't know why she's not a more popular Bible character. I think primarily because we don't know her name. If we knew her name, probably she would 
be talked about more and we would have children named after her because she is a woman of great faith who was blessed immensely and she is an excellent example to us of how to live our lives. But we rarely ever even talk about her. But we are introduced to her in 2 Kings chapter 4 when it says this, One day Elisha went to Shunem, a prominent woman who lived there, persuaded him to eat some food. So, whenever he passed by, he stopped there to eat. Then she said to her husband, I know that the one who often passes by here is a holy man of God. So, let's make a small, walled-in upper room and put a bed, a table, a chair, and a lamp there for him. Whenever he comes, he can stay there. So, we're introduced to this woman. We know where she's from, Shunem, and we know a couple of other things about her from what she does in these verses. One, we learn that she is a follower of God. In a time when most of Israel worshipped Baal, those who were in the position to wanted to kill Elisha, not provide for him. Uh, she was a woman who recognized Elisha's connection to God, recognized his position as prophet of God, and so therefore we can assume that she followed God, she knew God, she obeyed God, and she wanted to honor God by helping God's servant, Elisha. She was a unique person in the midst of idolatry and apostasy. It teaches me that it doesn't matter what everyone else is doing. Everyone else can be running from God and denouncing God and far from God. But I don't have to be. I can be a follower of His, regardless of what everybody else is doing. And she was such a woman. She was also wealthy. And because she was wealthy and she was a follower of God, she did what all who are wealthy and followers of God, should do. She shared her wealth, and she was content with what she had. Wealth in and of itself is not bad, it's not wrong, it's not sinful. Wealth really is, you could say, a tool that can be used for good. It can be used for evil. Money can possess us when we are greedy, and when we're jealous and we covet what others have. But wealth can be a blessing to us and to others if we're content with what we have and we share it. She shared it, right? When Elisha came through town, she gave him something to eat. Remember, these are difficult times. We were talking about Samaria under siege a couple of weeks ago when a donkey's head sold for $1,000. In a moment, we will see that there was a famine that God brought upon the land for seven years. So it's not an insignificant thing that she gave him something to eat. It's quite possible that many times when he came by, there was not a lot of food around. But she gave to him so that he could have something to eat. And she wanted to go beyond that and share even more. She and her husband agreed that they would take the roof of their house and they would build an upper room. They built a room for Elisha so that he could stay there as well. They had a bed and a table and a lamp. He had 
everything he needed. That sounds like great lodging, especially for those days. So anytime he came to town, he had a place to stay, he had a good hot meal, and he had a family to have some great company with. That's how someone who is wealthy should share their wealth to bless others. And she did so. And we'll see in a moment specifically, but I wanted to share it with you now, that she was content with what she had. She wasn't looking for more. She wasn't greedy to get richer. What she had, she acknowledged was from God and was thankful for it and content to have that and nothing more. Another lesson for any who have wealth, not to keep chasing after more. So we've already learned a lot from this woman that's applicable to us. A woman who followed God when many others were not. A woman who was wealthy but shared her wealth and was content with what she had. And because this woman had such godly character and honored God by honoring his prophets, God blessed her. And we see in her life in three specific ways God blessed her in some amazing and unusual and common ways. Are you ready to see? God blessed her with a miraculous birth. Now, it's Christmas season, right? And I know on your list is someone who's impossible to buy for. You can never think of what to give them. And usually those people are the people that have everything, right? If someone close to you needs some clothes or they need this or they need that, that's a great gift to give them. But you also know people that they have everything they need, they have more than they need. Well, what can I give them? And so really that's sort of what happened here, and it's kind of humorous to me if you read all the verses. I won't read them all to you, but there is Elisha and his servant uh, Gazi, I can never say his name right, so whatever, G-E-H-A-Z-I. So however you want to say it, maybe we'll just call him G, that might be easier. So his servant G and Elisha are trying to figure out how to repay this woman for all of her generosity. So Elisha has G go to the woman and ask her, You look, you've gone to all this trouble for us. What can we do for you? Can we speak on your behalf to the king or to the commander of the army? She answered, I am living among my own people. That sounds like a strange way to answer, but it is an idiom that simply is saying, I'm content. She has everything she needs. When Elisha asks, she says, I don't need anything. Thank you. Well, you know if you're trying to give a gift to someone who's hard to give a gift for, you don't take that for an answer, do you? And so then Elisha and G are trying to figure out what to get her. So they're scratching their heads trying to figure out, you know, this isn't an acceptable answer to them. They must give her something. And so uh, Elisha's servant G has observed that there are no children in the family. In those days, people were considered to be blessed by God if they had children. And something was wrong if they didn't have children. But notice this woman didn't feel that way. 
She didn't feel like she had less because she didn't have a child. She didn't feel like she had been cursed by God because she didn't have a child. She was happy with what God had given her. She wasn't asking for a child, not asking for anything else. And so maybe it seems strange to us that Elisha and G decided, well, she has everything, let's give her a baby. I don't, know, I don't know if that's what you would say when you're making your Christmas list. So that's a little bit unusual, but that's what they decided to do. So Elisha said to her, at this time next year, you will have a son in your arms. Then she said, no, my Lord, man of God, do not lie to your servant. The woman conceived and gave birth to a son at the same time the following year as Elisha had promised her. So we're told that her husband was old. We're not specifically told that she was old. It's possible she was. If she was old and he was old, then they would have been like Sarah and Abraham or Elizabeth and Zechariah. If she was childbearing age and her husband was old, it still seems as they had decided and come to the conclusion they were never going to have kids. Yet God miraculously gave them a son. Her phrase, no, my Lord, man of God, do not lie to your servant. What she's saying is, what are you talking about? You know, don't, don't tease me. Don't, uh, don't uh, tell me something that's not going to come true. Uh, it seems to me she was excited to hear this news. But maybe she had some excitement over the years that didn't work out. Maybe she thought she was pregnant. Maybe there were miscarriages. Maybe there had been other times when there was joy followed by grief and disappointment. And she didn't want that to happen again. And so that's why she says to him, don't lie to me. Don't get my hopes up. Uh, don't tease me. But what he was saying was a prophecy that God kept his promise and she did have a miracle son. I want us to see here how he was, she was blessed by God. God blessed her even though she didn't ask for it. God does that sometimes. He will give you a blessing when you're not asking for it, you're not looking for it. It's simply God out of his graciousness and out of his love blesses you because you honor him. Remember she was asked, what do you want? She said, nothing. I'm content with what I have. She didn't pray and ask. Even when she was asked, she didn't offer anything, but God wanted to bless her. Well, now she has a son, but we see the tragedy that happens next and why a resurrection as a blessing comes to her. The child grew and one day went to his father with the harvesters. Suddenly he accompanied, uh, complained to his father, my head, my head. His father told this servant, carry him to his mother. So we don't know how old the boy is, but he's old enough to be in the field with his father. Obviously, he's not an adult yet. I imagine he's probably elementary age. So he's old enough to be out helping, but he's not you know, the help out in the fields. And he complains about a headache. Now, like a lot of dads do, this must have been a serious headache because dads know that their children often complain about ailments when work has to be done, right? So, so I think he realized this wasn't just trying to get out of work, but he really did have something wrong with him. 
And then like a lot of dads, when children ha really have something wrong with them, they hand them off to mom. And so that's what he does here too. So, uh, of course, they're in the field, and so the dad hands his son to a servant to take to mom and let mom take care of it. All this sounds very, very familiar, doesn't it? This does not, and this is the tragedy of this woman's life. So he, the servant, picked up the boy and took him to his mother. The child sat on her lap, that's why I think he's probably elementary aged, until noon, and then died. Maybe some of you, I know there are some in our congregation, know what it's like for your son or your daughter to die. Maybe you even have had your son or daughter die in your arms. The joy she had of his birth is now counterbalanced by probably even deeper grief. What was she going to do? She had been a woman of faith. She had honored God her whole life. And so she continued to do that. In fact, she took her son and put her in that upper room where Elisha stayed. And she went to Elisha. Elisha saw her from a distance and sent G out to her. When the two of them met, G and the woman, G asked her, what's wrong? She said, everything's okay. Obviously it wasn't. But she didn't want to get into it with him. She wanted to get to Elisha. And so the two of them come to Elisha. And when she came to the man of God at the mountain, she clung to his feet. Yaisi came to push her away, but the man of God said, leave her alone. She is in severe anguish, and the Lord has hidden it from me. He hasn't told me. See, even the prophet of God doesn't know everything. He only knows what God reveals to him. And God had not revealed it. But it was obvious something was wrong. So he asked her, and she responds, Did I ask my Lord for a son? Didn't I say, Do not lie to me? What she is saying is not what happened. She's saying what she feels, which is what we often do when we're overcome with grief. We don't express a narrative. We express our feelings. What she is saying is that the grief now of losing her son is far deeper and hurts far more than the joy she had at his birth. And she feels at that moment as though it would have been better if he had never been born. Because she had been happy. She was content. And then she was overjoyed. But now her soul has been pierced and she's grieving. And she imagines, if I had never been born, I'd never feel this hurt and this grief. You've probably had grief like that before. Well, Elisha now knows what's wrong. And now the three of them go to her home. Elisha sends his servant G out ahead of them to go as fast as possible. And he gives him... Elisha gives G Elisha's staff and tells him, go and put the staff on the boy's head. So he went ahead of them and placed the staff on the boy's face, but there was no sound or sign of life. 
So he went back to meet Elijah and told him the boy didn't wake up. Could you imagine again her emotions when she saw Elisha do something? You know, a staff. She maybe expected a miracle. And then news came back. Nothing has happened. Again, I can imagine a sense of hope. Now despair. Yet, we don't see any record of her angry at God, angry at Elisha. They just continue to the home. And Elisha does this. He discovered the boy lying dead on his bed. So he went in, closed the door behind the two of them and prayed to the Lord. Then he went up and lay on the boy. He put mouth to mouth, eye to eye, hand to hand. While he bent down over him, the boy's flesh became warm. So there's a good sign. Dead bodies aren't warm. After Elisha laid on the boy and after he prayed for him, he feels the warmth of the body and Elisha gets up and he paces back and forth and prays some more. Then he goes back and bends down over him again. The boy sneezed seven times and opened his eyes. The woman was blessed with the resurrection of her son. Now that is a blessing. A very rare, extremely rare blessing. There are only a handful of people raised from the dead in Scripture. And here is one of them. A woman blessed by God because she honored God and remained faithful to Him. And her faith was rewarded. But notice there was prayer involved. We're told specifically that Elisha prayed. Maybe we can assume that the woman also prayed. At least she knew who to take her grief to. She took it to the man of God, whom she knew would talk to God. So she had at least a spirit of asking and of prayer. This teaches us that sometimes God blesses when we ask. Have you ever thought about the, this fact that maybe... I don't have, you don't have, because we're not asking God for it. If the story were different and the boy died and then she started planning a funeral, didn't ask for God to do something, maybe he would not have been resurrected. I don't know. I don't know how the story would have ended, but it's clear that she prayed and explicitly Elisha prayed and God answered and raised her son to life. James tells us we don't have because we do not ask. Sometimes the blessing of God only comes after we pray. Now, maybe you have had a miracle birth. I know you have not had a son resurrected to life. But all of us have experienced something similar to her last blessing. And that was a blessing, really, of consequence... She had a restoration, but it all, from someone without the eyes of faith, would chalk it up to a happy coincidence. I know you've had that happen in your life, haven't you? Events happened in which God blesses you, and you look back and say, well, if this and this hadn't happened, this blessing wouldn't have happened. 
This act of God would not have happened. And you, understanding how God works and understanding with the eyes of faith, realize this is no coincidence. This is a God thing. God did this. And so what happens for this woman? Elisha said to the woman, whose son he had restored to life, get ready, you and your household, and go live as a resident alien wherever you can. For the Lord has announced a seven-year famine, and it has already come to the land. Elisha warns her, leave Israel. A famine has already started, and it's going to last seven years. We have seen this woman at every point in her story recorded in Scripture of honoring God, going to God, here obeying God. The man of God spoke, and she listened, and she and her family left. The good thing was, they survived, because they listened to the word of God. Right there was a blessing in and of itself. That's not the point that I want to share with you, because of what happened next. When she came back after the seven years, she found out someone else had her house. Someone had moved in while she was gone. (laughs) Someone else had her land, and they had been farming her land while she was gone. So could you imagine that? You go away for a long vacation, you come back, and someone's taking all your stuff and living in your house? Well, that's what happened to her. So she went to the king. She went all the way to the Supreme Court, so to speak. She was going to the top. She was going to get something done because this was not right. She was going to get justice because she had been done wrong. But in the meantime, as she was going there to talk to the king, look at what happened. So the woman got ready and did what the man of God said. She and her household lived as resident aliens in the land of the Philistines for seven years. When the woman returned from the land of the Philistines, at the end of seven years, she went to appeal to the king for her house and field. But when she went to go talk to the king, there happened to be the servant of Elisha, Gehazi, or G, talking to the king about this woman. They could have been talking about anything. But the king that day said, Hey, G, tell me some things that's happened since you've been with Elisha. And Elisha says, Well, do I have a story for you? Let me tell you about this woman. And she, he told the king the whole story. As he's telling the story, here walks in the woman. Now I imagine when the king heard about her, he, I'm sure he felt, he got into it. You know, He could have felt the compassion. He could have felt what she was feeling. He could have felt the excitement when her son was raised to life. You know, she, he was invested, I'm sure, and knew about this woman and knew what her journey had been. And now she walks in. And he must have think, well, after everything that you've gone through, now you're asking me for something simple that I can do? Sure. And so the king had one of his servants go and make sure she got her house back, got her land back, and got all the income from the land the last seven years while she was gone. I don't think that would have happened if the king had not just heard her story. There would have been some random woman that walked into his court asking for a favor. I'm sure he got that all the time. And he would have just probably have said, tough luck. Why'd you leave? You deserve it. See you later. But by coincidence, he knew her life through the story. 
knew the power of God that she had experienced and was more than willing to help her in her time of need. Blessed again by the Lord. God blesses those who honor Him. So honor the Lord and count the blessings that He gives you as you honor the Lord. This woman is an illustration to us for how to live our lives. Father, I pray for my brothers and sisters that first of all, Lord, we would honor you with our lives. Lord, I know there's times and seasons in our life where we are close to you and we do honor you and then we get away from you for many reasons. But I would pray, Lord, that if that's the case, that those who are far from you today would come close to you again and honor you. Lord, for those of my brothers and sisters who are like this woman, who are generous, who are faithful, who are prayers, Lord, I pray that you would continue to bless them. And I pray, Lord, that we would look at our lives and realize all the blessings you have given us so that we would be like her and be content. Not grumble because of what we don't have. Not be covetous of things that our neighbors have. Not be jealous of what another brother or sister does. But Lord, to be content. For you have blessed us in many ways. Lord, may we in this week recall to our minds the story of this woman. And may it give us hope and encouragement. And may it strengthen our faith. And I pray these things now, Lord, as we respond to your word, and I pray them, Jesus, in your name. Amen.